Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Welcome to week 13 of the college football season. I hope you're all having a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, whether you're listening to this on Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving or possibly Friday, gearing up for all the games, feeling very full. Or best of all, just roll this thing during your Thanksgiving dinner. You avoid you know, conversation topics about anything, quite frankly, that's going on in the world right now probably a a pretty good idea. I've I've gotten some good feedback on families that have just played this as the soundtrack to their Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you you to my two guests for kicking off the show so wonderfully for us there. Uh, You know, 2020, haven't uh, haven't been able to to bring guests on. It's just... uh, you know, a, a, a lot going, a lot going on for everybody. So uh, a lot of, a lot of people have asked, you know, any, are there going to be any guests this year? Um, you know, what, what's, what's going on in that department? Well, we did just have our, our first two guests of the year. So, uh, so thanks to them for that. Um, we had the ranking show, uh, recording this on Wednesday. Ranking show came out uh, last night, Tuesday night, and. The committee mostly did uh, what one would have expected them to do. Uh, top four, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. I guess my question, although I knew it was going to be my question because I knew it was going to happen, um, is is the love for the Big Ten and, and particularly Ohio State there at four. Um, I just don't know what a 4-0 Ohio State has done that makes them 11 spots higher than a 3-0 Oregon or 14 spots higher than a 3-0 USC. Um, I know, and, and I'm not saying that USC and Oregon are great and that they should be higher. I'm just saying Ohio State should be lower. And beating uh, beating one ranked team um, at home by seven points in a game where that team had, what, five turnovers, four turnovers, uh, a couple of them crippling when they were potentially going into score. So I just, I don't see what Ohio State has done this year to warrant being number four in the country. I think they should be behind, uh, you know, just going down the line, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Miami, um, you know, potentially Oklahoma at this point, given kind of what they've done. Um, so I, I would think it would make more sense to have Ohio State sort of in the 10 to 11 range. Uh, but clearly this committee is is ranking based off pedigree and, and past performance, no, you know, clearly uh, evident in, in Georgia's ranking right now at number nine. I mean, what Georgia has done to be ranked ahead of Miami, uh, who, who comes in one slot behind them at this point, I, I have no idea. So not sure uh, what the committee's doing with that. Um, so I, I guess when all is said and done, Ohio State and, and the rest of the Big Ten rankings uh, – that would be my beef of the week, the beef of the week presented by DeBraga. Uh, go to www.debraga.com for all your just highest quality meat. Whether we're talking beef, we could be talking poultry, fowl, game, um, you know, pork. I, I don't think pork falls under the beef category. Maybe it does, but anything you want, any kind of meat. Even if you just want accessories, you want a nice cutting board, you need a meat thermometer, anything you need, go to debraga.com. 
scoop.com. Use promo code SCOOP at checkout, S-C-O-O-P. You're going to get 15% off the first time you use that code. Um, other things that the committee seemed to make pretty clear is that Cincinnati has a chance and BYU doesn't. Uh, Cincinnati coming in at number seven, um, you know, uh, losses um, to Texas A&M and Florida all of a sudden put them in pretty good shape, especially if, say, Notre Dame could uh, could knock off Clemson for a second time. All of a sudden, Cincinnati would have a chance there. BYU uh, down at 14 without uh, without much left on the schedule. Now the interesting wrinkle in here, and, and we've seen this in college basketball where they have that bracket buster week where they kind of start making, you know, mid-season around February, they start putting together matchups of t- typically mid-major teams with really good records. Um, you know, they pit them against each other to try to give them another chance at a good win to potentially get them an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament. You know, could we see something like that with BYU and Cincinnati trying to give them each a better win? Um, you know, they, they do have some open dates coming down the line here in December. Um, so could we see something like that happen? So that's obviously an interesting wrinkle and one to look out for. But right now, just way too much ground for BYU to have to make up. Still behind, you know, Iowa State, Indiana, Oklahoma, uh, those kind of teams where it's just going to be impossible for them to jump all the way up as things currently stand. And even if they get a Cincinnati on the schedule, I just don't see any way that it does happen. But certainly something to monitor um, as as the season moves forward. Now. Uh, Getting into the games from last week, it was one of those weeks where you're reminded sort of that in college football, even if you don't have a real rooting interest, and even if the games aren't particularly meaningful, um, there is still something for everyone to enjoy. I guess get out of we'll 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 get out of the way early. The one that's actually just sort of sad, and that's uh, what happened with Clemson and Florida State over the weekend. Clemson flies down to Tallahassee to play that game. It's determined that uh, one of the players on Clemson's team did test positive for COVID-19 and was practicing throughout the week. Florida State then deemed that it was unsafe to play, which, just personal opinion, I'm not a doctor. That seems like a fair opinion to me. Um, And then, you know, Dabo Sweeney, as he's wont to do, sort of went on a tirade about how Florida State was ducking them and what a waste of time and money, which is a joke, um, that it was for them to fly down to only have the game canceled. I mean, this is just, this is ridiculous, and it's a bad job. And Dabo Sweeney has put his foot in his mouth a few times, and it's usually just sort of like that, aw, shucks, I'm just a country boy type mentality. And he, he just says things that, you know, vary between just kind of silly and and ignorant and potentially dangerous at times. Um, and, and this is one of those times where he's just not helping the situation at all by claiming that by by not wanting to play a game in the midst of a pandemic when one of, it's not like one of Florida State's players was sick. This was one of Clemson's players that tested positive. I, I just, I don't see how you make the argument that this is Florida State's fault at all. And just, I think, kind of an embarrassing uh, embarrassing display by Sweeney to just kind of keep going about it when, I don't know, he should be above this situation. They're going to get the game rescheduled uh, on December 12th. And, and you know, the only reason it wouldn't be rescheduled if, is if Clemson didn't want to play the game. I know they want the week off heading into the ACC championship game, but I just, uh, Florida State has made it quite clear they are willing to play that game 
uh, on December 12th, so there's no reason why that shouldn't be able to happen. Now, on the much more fun side of college football and how ridiculous it can be, and I did mention this last week as as a game to watch out for, we had Michigan traveling to Rutgers um, four years after the 78-0 blowout. This one, just as awesome, but for different reasons. Uh, Michigan wins in triple overtime, 48-42. to uh, Rutgers takes a big lead early. Cade McNamara then enters the game at quarterback for the Wolverines, leads a nice comeback, gives them the lead before Rutgers comes back, sends it to overtime. Um, they get a stop in the first overtime, and then Rutgers just, what are you doing? Um, they they play ultra conservatively um, on, on third down in the first overtime with just any score needed to win. They actually, you know, they center the ball, as many teams do, to try to give a, a straight field goal. And But they actually, like, lose three yards on the play. They just, like, take a knee. Um, and but and I understand doing that if you're on, like, the 12-yard line and you're, you're setting up for, like, a 30-yard field goal. This was a 45-yard field goal by no means a gimme. Sure enough, the kicker misses where probably would have gone in had it been like a 42-yard field goal. Um, so really bad job there, um, just playing ultra-conservatively. And then it turns out on the first play of the second overtime, they run this really great throwback swing pass that goes for a touchdown. If you had that play in the bag, maybe just use it when scoring any points will win the game for you. So really a, a terrible job uh, by the Rutgers play calling there. Um Michigan does end up winning the game and just, it's, you know, everybody wins. Um, you, you won if you, if you sort of watch this madness and just have a general enjoyment of sloppy football. Um, I think if you're a Rutgers fan, you win in that, you know, this is still a, a, a game with a big name and, uh, and, and it seems that Greg Schiano, despite now that you're Owen, uh, sorry, one and four, um, you know, has things moving in the right direction. And if you're Michigan, <laughs> despite the fact that things didn't go great for you in this game, I do kind of think you found a quarterback. Um, Cade McNamara looks really good. And I think he actually, I mean, I don't know if it's just the fact that uh, he's wearing number 12 or, or you know, the, the fact that he's wearing number 12, he's got similar size and was once committed to Notre Dame. The, the parallels, I'm seeing a lot of Ian Book in, in Cade McNamara. Uh, the kid looks like he's going to be a player for a while. Will be interesting to see if Michigan kind of finally gets their quarterback, whether or not Jim Harbaugh is there to be the coach. But uh, definitely, I think, a positive takeaway for Michigan fans in that one. Um, staying in the Big Ten, we talked about the pseudo um, Big Ten semifinals. And we'll start in the East with the Ohio State-Indiana game. Ohio State wins this game 42-35. to This is a game where uh, Indiana had four turnovers, one going in for a touchdown, another pick six. Um, you know, Ohio State dominated time of possession um, and, and was really able to control this game. But Indiana kept fighting and I think poked a lot of those holes. We've been talking on this show about Ohio State's defense being just not even close to what it's been in recent years. Um, and, and Indiana proved that to clearly be true um, where Michael Penix Jr. pretty much doing whatever he wanted, throwing for 491 yards 
and five touchdowns in this game. I mean, they rushed for almost nothing um, in this game and, and were still able to put up that many points without any kind of balanced attack. As a team, Indiana rushed for negative one yards. Now, keep in mind, college sacks are factored in, but that's only that's only minus two yards on, on Michael Penix Jr. So really, uh, or sorry, minus 17 yards on sacks. So again, that that's a small... Uh, a small amount there. So being completely one-dimensional, Indiana was able to put up 35 points on Ohio State. You got to think, what could a team like Alabama, Notre Dame, or Clemson do to this Ohio State defense? Uh, and again, this just all ties into, I'm not sure what the committee is seeing to put Ohio State at number four beyond just rewarding them for being Ohio State. Um Justin Fields came back down to earth a little bit, throwing three interceptions, but was still very good. I mean, that offense is loaded. Master Teague running the football, uh, a really good player. And Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave continue to just be maybe among the best one-two punches uh, in all of college football from a receiving uh, position. But Ohio State moves on. You know, they're they're going to run through the Big Ten. Um, they're going to run right through the Big Ten championship game. And uh, and I think they're going to have very little resistance in the Big Ten championship game. Um, so moving over to the other matchup over in the West, Northwestern beats Wisconsin 17-7. to uh, In a lot of ways, this game went exactly how I thought it would, just with the two teams being flipped. Now, I do want to give credit to Northwestern's defense. It's it's a very good defense. Um, it's when when a team has five turnovers as Wisconsin did. It's not just Wisconsin making mistake after mistake. A lot of those are forced by the good defense, no doubt about it. But at the same time, boy, was this a tough game to watch. I mean, Wisconsin did essentially dominate a lot of the things. If you look at this box score outside of the turnovers, you would think Wisconsin won this game easily. How often does a team in 2020 win a game with 263 offensive yards as Northwestern did in this one? But they were able to uh, they were able to force three interceptions from Graham Mertz. They recovered a couple fumbles as well and they uh, they were pretty much in control the whole way uh, and 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 got that win. And then we found out uh, just yesterday, I think, that Wisconsin's upcoming game this week against Minnesota has been canceled due to COVID. So even had Wisconsin won that game, they would not have been eligible for the Big Ten championship. So uh, Wisconsin's season, for all intents and purposes, is is over. And, uh, and Northwestern should face little resistance reaching the Big Ten championship game. So you can pretty much, I would say, pencil it in, but I think you can use ink. We're getting Ohio State and Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. And again, I just, uh, as as good as this defense for Northwestern is, I don't see them stopping Ohio State nearly enough. And and they're, you know, this this Northwestern offense is anemic at best. So I I guess we're pens, just, just put Ohio State in the playoff. Um, <laughs> I know I, I sound bitter and I, I guess I am a little bit bitter. I just don't think that any of this has been handled properly. Um, but if, if they're number four now and they're not going to lose another game, which they're not, um, go ahead, put the Buckeyes in the playoff. Congratulations to them. They are the uh, they are the first team to receive a bid to the college football playoff. Um, a couple other games to mention from the weekend. Cincinnati at UCF. Uh, not one of my official picks, but I did let you know I like UCF getting the points. And 
the 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 money line was boy it would have been an exciting one hope none of you uh hope none of you were on it with UCF um it was a back and forth game the knights led early um cincinnati came back took the lead late and then while running out the clock on the last play of the game took a shotgun snap to take a knee almost snapped it away um, you know, quarterback for Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter, was able to get a hand on it and cover it up. Otherwise, it was going 99 yards the other way for a game-winning touchdown for UCF. But Cincinnati does get that win, a big win for them. And clearly, as we mentioned before, they were rewarded for it in the rankings. So good for Cincinnati. Um, I, I do believe, I think they were supposed to play Temple this coming week. That game has been canceled due to COVID. So, uh, so a week off for the Bearcats, but they are, uh, they're playing very well. There's no denying that. I don't, I don't necessarily think they are one of the uh, four best teams in the country, but they're definitely playing very well. They're putting themselves in really good position for a New Year's Six game and potentially, uh, if things break just right, a shot at the playoffs. Last game I'm going to mention, uh, Oregon holds off UCLA 38-35. to um, UCLA playing with their backup quarterback in this game had four turnovers. Oregon wins the turnover battle 4-1 to and still only beats UCLA by three at home. Uh, one of those turnovers for UCLA, just an absolutely back-breaking pick six um, to end the first half, a situation where it looked like UCLA might be able to go in to score at the end of the half, and it ends up Oregon with the touchdown instead. Um, so, so UCLA, uh, comes up just short Oregon. I just, I think the committee's made it pretty clear based on the rankings, the PAC 12s not getting into the playoff. And I, I have to say, I pretty much agree with that. Just given their, uh, given their shortened schedule, one of these teams was going to have to really come out and look great out of the gate and pretty much start to finish look great. And that has just clearly not been the case with Oregon or USC. Um, so I think they have pretty much eliminated themselves. Um, in terms of my pick last week, uh, a couple games got canceled. I mentioned uh, Clemson, Florida State got canceled and uh, Washington State, Stanford got canceled. So that left us with four games. I went three and one on the week. Uh, Coastal Carolina covered in an absolute miracle. They scored late to take the lead. They then got a pick six where the return for a touchdown was you know, just both an amazing return and also pretty amazing that he didn't just slide down as that would have been the uh, smarter thing to do. Um, Oklahoma and Rutgers both covered very easily. Uh, I didn't even talk about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, just because there really wasn't anything to talk about. Uh, Oklahoma crushed them from start to finish uh, and, you know, puts themselves in at least shouting distance of the playoff field. Um, so that was interesting. And then, yeah, no sweat with Rutgers either. Wisconsin, obviously the loser uh, at Northwestern. So 3-1 and one gets me to 16-15 and 15 on the season. I am finally above 500. We are still down one half unit uh, when you factor in the VIG. So we're going to need to stay positive the rest of the year in order to get back into the black. Uh, I have another six picks for you coming this week. If you follow me on Twitter at StephenCon12, you've already seen them, uh, but I will uh, make sure to rattle off all six of those picks at the end of the show. Um, looking ahead to this coming week, we've got uh, we've got some big time games on Friday, and then and then a decent slate on Saturday as well. Um, starting Friday at noon, you've got Iowa State. At Texas, this is pretty much the game uh, to see who's going to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Pretty amazing that after all this um, and that ridiculous Red River shootout 
um, uh, you know, about a month and a half ago at this point, that we could be getting Texas and Oklahoma again uh, in the Big 12 championship. One of those, the more things change, the more things stay the same type of situations. This is one uh, I've seen the spread bounce around, but right now I'm seeing Texas uh, as about a one-point favorite. This should be a really good game. I mean, we know uh, as at right, you know, they Texas comes into this game as a rankings underdog, um, and we know that Tom Herman has been great in those situations. But uh, as a betting favorite, you know, does that uh, does that take away some of that? I ultimately just see this as a situation where. This podcast has not been particularly kind to Brock Purdy throughout this season. And I just I just think the talent wins out here. I think Texas finds a way to get it done. And, and in this ridiculous year, we just end up with another Oklahoma-Texas Big 12 title game because that's the way things are in the Big 12. These, these upstarts come and they challenge and they fall short. We see it with Oklahoma State. We see it with Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, Iowa State. We see it all the time. They come up and challenge. It seems like the two big dogs are down. And then in the end, they're the two left standing. So I fully expect, uh, I, I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's a great way to, uh, you know, you, you roll out of bed a little bit late on, on Friday after the big dinner on Thursday. And uh, and at noon, you get, I think, what will be a really exciting game. But I do like Texas uh, coming out of this one, um, you know, just by maybe, say, three points. Could call this maybe like a... I don't know, like a 30-31-28 type of game. Um, so I will take the Longhorns in that one. Uh, and then Friday at 3.30, uh, Notre Dame goes to North Carolina. Boy, is this a game that I have been dreading. Um, I guess for any Notre Dame fans unaware, North Carolina, this is not hyperbole, they have among the best offenses in all of college football. Um, I think they have like a legitimate argument that they have the second best offense in college football behind Alabama. Um, they run the ball really well. They throw the ball really well. They've had some guys injured, um, both offensively and defensively, that they uh, might be getting back. Um, one of their one of their um, Receivers, Bo Corrales, uh, had a big game against Florida State. He's been injured for a few weeks. He might be back. Um, and this is a team, they're, they're well-balanced. Now, the key for Notre Dame, can they stop the run without bringing extra guys into the box to do it? Because if they can stop the run in their base defense, that allows them to get creative on the back end and, and hopefully limit the big play passing game. But if Notre Dame has to use extra players to stop the run, pretty much the way that they did stop the run against Clemson, it, Notre Dame's defensive performance against the Clemson running game was fantastic. But part of that was by design. They brought extra guys inside to stop the run. If Notre Dame does that against North Carolina, they're going to get ripped to shreds over the top. So it's really important that Notre Dame stops the running game just with the base defense. Um, I have, obviously I have some concerns about Notre Dame secondary. Uh, you know, you've got a true freshman starting at one corner spot. Um, one of your safeties has suffered a torn Achilles and torn ACL and throughout his career. Um, Nick McLeod, the other corner is, is certainly a good player, but he's by no means a burner. So this, you know, it scares me against a team that's going to try to throw deep a lot. Uh, I, I've said for a long time, if I were an offensive coordinator, 
I would pretty much just throw a bomb on every play because college defensive backs tend to either, you know, get beat, make a mistake, or commit pass interference. And it's going to be so important for Notre Dame to avoid defensive pass interference calls in this game. They're going to have to get their heads around. They're going to have to make plays on the ball. It's going to be a really, really tough game on defense. Uh, I haven't even mentioned the name Sam Howell yet. One of the best quarterbacks in the country. Now, granted, he does occasionally... I, I, I It's silly to even compare him to Phil Dracovic because he's so much better. But I mentioned that Dracovic sometimes holds on to the ball a long time trying to make the big play. Howell does that as well. Not to the same degree, and he's much more successful when he is holding on to the ball, but it is something to keep an eye out for if he holds on to the ball too long. Can the Notre Dame pass rush get there, make him pay? You know, could you look for like a strip sack? Um, that would be the kind of thing that could really swing the game in Notre Dame's favor. But just a balanced, balanced offensive attack. Uh, Daz Newsome, as a, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan or just anyone watching this game, get used to hearing the name Daz Newsome, uh, receiver for North Carolina, is a stud. Um, can kind of play on the outside and, and get in the slot and, you know, run a lot of like quick slants, things like that. So really going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Notre Dame defense. On the offensive side, uh, should be a much easier um, situation. Granted, they are replacing two offensive linemen, uh, Jarrett Patterson out for the season after get, getting injured uh, against BC, and then uh, right guard uh, Tommy Kramer had an emergency appendectomy. He's going to miss this game. Um, so, you know, the, the, the replacements coming in are certainly capable, but uh, especially replacing the center, who's usually tasked with calling out uh, a lot of blitz and making sure that uh, all adjustments are taken care of, you got to figure North Carolina is going to blitz a lot in this game. Um, they just can't match up with Notre Dame's offense without getting creative and without blitzing. So they're going to try to create havoc, bring a lot of blitzes. Ken Z. Carell, the, uh, the, the guy who's stepping in at center, can he handle that? Um, when, when you're replacing 40% of your offensive line, you know, even though they're capable players, that's certainly a big change and something that I expect to be pretty difficult uh, for Notre Dame to overcome. Offensively, you've really, in a game where you should be able to move the ball, you've got to take care of the ball. It's important that Notre Dame scores a lot in this game because 28 points is probably not going to cut it. So that means no fumbles. Um, you really, it's hard to say no interceptions because sometimes when you're trying to get aggressive, um, an interception is going to happen. But, but absolutely no fumbles. You have to limit turnovers in general because if you give the ball away against this team, they're likely going to score on you. Um, so you really got to take care of the ball. When you get into the red zone, you've got to convert touchdowns. And really the biggest thing here, no penalties, because you just can't start at a first and 20 or a second and 20. You can't have holding calls, things like that. You've got to stay ahead of the sticks, keep the chains moving, and uh, and find the end zone. Uh, you know, Notre Dame certainly got a little bit of, uh, of red zone momentum going against BC. Can they keep that going? Um, Storm Duck which uh, may be just the very best name in college football, a cornerback for North Carolina. He's been out a few weeks. He is expected to be back for this game, uh, probably North Carolina's best playmaker on defense. Um, overall, I don't. this game really, really scares me. I mean, you look at what North Carolina has done. They lost at Florida State 31-28, and they lost at Virginia 
44 to 41. But these games were were quite weird. I mean, against Florida State, they were down 31 to 7 at half, won the second half 21 nothing and probably would have won that game if not for a dropped pass right at the end. Against Virginia, you know, they were down say uh let's see the score at one point was 41 to 20 and they came back to make it 44 to 41 so this is kind of what north carolina does i mean just two weeks ago against wake forest they were down by 21 points came back and took a 14 point lead late they can be very very bad and they can be very very good oftentimes in the same game so it's a situation where if notre dame doesn't jump on them early it's going to be pretty terrifying that uh you know, we, we've seen North Carolina have really good second halves. So can Notre Dame jump on them early and put some room between them? I can't really believe that I'm saying this, but I'm picking North Carolina in this game. Um, this 2020 Notre Dame team has not had the feel to me of a team that's going to go undefeated. And this just, I don't, this feels a lot like Arizona State in 2014, I know that this team and the 2014 Notre Dame team are just so different. But just in terms of Arizona State had this really good offense and they were going to come out firing, and I kind of feel like North Carolina is going to do the same thing. If there's one real good hope that makes me feel better about Notre Dame's chances, Clark Lee with a week to prepare, hopefully can just out-scheme North Carolina's offense and get this figured out. But ultimately, I think Notre Dame has to play pretty close to a perfect game in order to feel comfortable about this one. And where, you know, where one fumble could completely shift the game and where your best running back has had a propensity to put the ball on the turf this season. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't see things going perfectly for Notre Dame. I'm afraid North Carolina might finally put it together uh, in a way that they haven't all season. This is their biggest game of the year. Um, you know, this is a team that has scored in their last four games, 48, 41, 56, 59. Granted, these are against worse defenses than Notre Dame, but those are big numbers. I would expect them to get into the 30s in this one. This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be close. I don't think Notre Dame is going to win this game comfortably. And I just, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling. Um, I am leaning the Tar Heels on that one. I hope I am wrong. That is all I will say. Uh, that's all I'll say publicly on the topic. Uh, moving ahead to Saturday. Pretty strange situation when the Iron Bowl is just like a complete afterthought. Um, now, news came out just within the last hour. Um, Nick Saban has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, he does have mild symptoms, which uh, suggests not a false positive this time around as it was earlier in the season. Certainly hope that uh, he gets better and, and, is, uh, and is healthy moving forward. I don't really see this having an impact on the game itself. Um, Alabama is much, much better than Auburn. Granted, weird things happen in this game. Although, weird things tend to happen when both teams are actually good, and that is not the case with, uh, with 2020 Auburn. So, I think Alabama should be able to roll in this one. I'll also mention, uh, Clemson hosts Pitt. Um, would this be more of an upset alert if Clemson was still undefeated? Maybe, but... Anytime Pitt plays a top five team, it's uh, it's worth mentioning, especially given that Pitt is the last team to beat Clemson at Clemson. So uh, just keep an eye on that 3.30 um, on Saturday. 
Uh, Northwestern also at 330 goes to Michigan State. Only mentioning this because how Big Ten would it be for Michigan, uh, for, excuse me, for Northwestern, right after kind of claiming control of the Big Ten West to go and drop a team at a pretty down uh, Michigan State Spartans team. So, again, just uh, weird things can tend to happen. Um, coming off a big emotional win for Northwestern, um, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, so, uh, so just something to, uh, something to mention there. Um, I'll also say Colorado goes to USC also at three 30. Um, this is just, you know, if you're looking for football, cause again, I don't think USC has a chance at the playoff. So I don't think this has a whole lot of, uh, meaning for, for the bigger picture in college football. Colorado is a good enough team to knock off USC the way that USC has come out of the gate so far. So potential um, for an upset there. And then the last game I'll mention, 7 o'clock, LSU at Texas A&M. Again, I don't think that this will be a close game. But two years ago, these two teams played a game that resulted in the rules of overtime being changed. Um, And then at the end of that game, there was a large fist fight among multiple members of the staffs of each school. So, uh... These two teams don't like each other very much, and certainly, uh, who knows, things could get weird in that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, the slate kind of, the best games of, of the weekend are kind of on Friday, so make sure uh, make sure you're aware. You don't want to just miss them. All of a sudden, you're like, all right, it's Saturday, time for college football. Oh, you've missed the, the two best games of the weekend, so make sure you're locked and loaded, ready to go on Friday. Uh, my picks of the week. My first one was Minnesota getting 21.5 at Wisconsin. I just thought uh, big-time letdown potential for Wisconsin uh, coming off the uh, the tough loss um, against, against Northwestern, but that game has been canceled, so we crossed that one off the list. That's part of the reason I'm starting to give five and six picks a week now, because who knows what's going to get canceled, uh, and I want to make sure there are some picks available. Uh, I do like Maryland plus 14 and a half at Indiana. Similar situation. Indiana, you see it with uh, with their coach and, and how passionate they have been uh, going through. They they are a team that gets up for big games. And I just think that, uh, you know, they, they put everything they had into that Ohio State game. And it really showed the way they fought back for four quarters and played really well. Uh, I ultimately just think there has to be an emotional letdown here playing against Maryland. A Maryland team that is decent. Um, I'm certainly not going to call them good, but they're decent. And I just think 14 and a half, if you have that hook, uh, that's too many points. I certainly think Maryland can keep this to 14 points or closer. So I like that one. Coastal Carolina laying 16 and a half at Texas State. It's another one we're just going to keep rolling with them until they lose. Also, I just don't get it. Texas State's not a good team. Coastal Carolina is a good team. They should win that game by 21 points. No problem. Roll with the shots in that one. Um, <clears throat> Texas A&M minus 13 and a half against LSU. Again, Texas A&M, uh, they need to put up style points if they want to get into the college football playoff. LSU is a pretty good team to put up style points against. I think that Texas A&M wins that game by two scores. No problem. Oklahoma laying 10 and a half at West Virginia. Not a lot to say about that, but still kind of the same thing. Style points. Oklahoma finally has it going. They're starting to put it together. West Virginia's fine, but not good enough to stay within two touchdowns of the Sooners. And lastly, Clemson versus Pitt. I know I mentioned you always have to watch out for the upset. I actually think that that thought might be built into this line a little bit because I just don't know why Clemson would be anything less than about a 35-point favorite 
in this game. They haven't played in a few weeks. They're finally getting Trevor Lawrence back. They're extra angry after, even if it's baloney, they're angry about being slighted by Florida State. They're going to come out and win this game by five touchdowns uh, going away from the Panthers. I, I mean, call me crazy. I think this could be a five in a week. You might want to go make a little Thanksgiving parley, a little extra turkey for your plate. Um, yeah, that's it. I think we're going to be looking real good. Hope I'm wrong about the Irish. Um, everyone else, whether you're listening to this before or after Thanksgiving, I am wishing a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving to you and, of course, yours. Enjoy the time, and uh, I will talk to you all next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.